Hey everybody, welcome to the Regeneration Podcast. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, just want to let you know, as we usually do, about our different partners who are on this journey with us. First, um, Western Seminary, who's been a partner with us from day one, an incredible theological education, um, offering graduate degrees, both master's degrees and doctorates um, in a variety of fields. So uh, check them out at westernseminary.edu. And our um, other partner is uh, Eternity Bible College. And uh, they're uh, an amazing resource for anybody looking to get into full-time ministry or into missions work fully accredited undergraduate program and get a bachelor's degree in a variety of different fields of ministry. And uh, one of their goals is to keep it really, really affordable. So um, check things out uh, with Eternity at eternitybiblecollege.com. And I also want to let you know, as we have been doing, to mark your calendars for October 27th, 2018, for our next big Regeneration Forum event. We'll We'll be exploring the ideas of heaven and hell and everything in between, what the Bible says and doesn't say. Um, John Ortberg, Joshua Ryan Butler, and lots of other great people are going to be there, a part of the event with us. And as usual, um, if you ever have any comments or thoughts or questions about our podcast, you can email us at podcast at regenerationproject.org. And on to today's episode. I was sitting in a doctor's office in San Jose. The doctor began to speak. I remember feeling my insides begin to shake. It was like a tidal wave. I cried. I wailed. Um, Today is a conversation between Isaac and Christine Vittoni. And uh, Christine leads an organization called Informed Choices. You'll hear more about um, her work, uh, really powerful, important work supporting women and In addition to that, her work has actually led her uh, into the national spotlight. Um, And she's sort of been all over the news. But what is also um, really surprising about this conversation is uh, parallel to um, this really important work that Christine has been doing, um, she was hit with some really personal news um, that very well could have shaken her faith um, to its very core. This is, I I just got to say, this is probably one of the most emotionally gripping and personal, sobering, and yet hopeful and inspiring conversations that we've had on the podcast. So um, I'm really excited for you to hear it. I think you're going to be challenged and encouraged and inspired in really profound ways. So um, without further ado, here is Isaac's conversation with Christine Vittoni. Christine, thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. So everyone kind of knows the backstory. Christine and I used to work on the same team at South Valley Community Church, where I still serve. But she took a job and left the church to lead an organization called Informed Choices, which is a life clinic supporting women um, through various needs, anything from ultrasounds to clothing for newborns to food, etc. Doing all kinds of amazing good things to help mothers. Somewhere along the lines, Christine, though, like crazy blew up. So just in the last six months, Christine has done interviews or articles or has had discussions with NPR, Washington Post, AP, and she just came to us today from an interview from Vice. What in the world happened? 
Well, if you remember, Isaac, uh, when I was working here, I actually came to you and mm. asked you about this position open at Informed Choices. At the time, I was very happy at South Valley Community Church and not looking for another job. But they were in need of a new director, and I did, I guess, feel some sense of calling. So um, I don't know if you remember what you said, but mm. you maybe paused for about five seconds and then said, you know what, if even one life is saved because mm. of your work, it would all be worth it. And so we've seen... So much more yeah. happened than that, right? So when I came on, we were uh, a small little clinic up in Morgan Hill. Um, and I basically went to the board of directors and said, hey, either we're going to make this happen or not. Either the community is going to support a pregnancy resource center like Informed Choices or not. So either I'm going to come in and gracefully help us close our doors or things are going to happen and... Mm-hmm. I guess you could say things have been happening. Yeah. So, um, Tell us about the services you offer briefly. So we are a pregnancy resource center and medical clinic. We provide free pregnancy testing, uh, consultation with a nurse professional, and uh, ultrasound, all free of charge to the patients. Those are our, our medical pregnancy services. Alongside that, as a resource center, we're providing material goods support. We're providing really relational and emotional care and support. We uh, help women get connected with other resources that they're lacking in their lives. Anything for mothers and babies through maternity and the first year of the baby's life. So how do you go from helping moms to (laughs) giving speeches on the steps of the Supreme Court and being interviewed by all these these major networks. Well, one of the organizations that I looked to during the transitions that we were making as a center and becoming a licensed medical clinic is NIFLA, National Institute of Family and Life Advocates. And NIFLA represents many pregnancy centers throughout the nation. Um, we're just one of them. But uh, in 2015, the state of California passed a law called the Reproductive Fact Act. And that law requires pregnancy centers like us to essentially use the walls of our center as advertisement for the abortion industry. Um, Instead of being able to talk with our women, uh, our patients, about all three of their options, which every woman who's pregnant has the same three options, Mm -hmm. abortion, adoption, and parenting, um, we're now being compelled to... Tell women where to go for uh, a free or no or low cost abortion um, mm. at some local abortion clinic. The name is Nifla v Becerra, and so that's Nifla, that organization. And um, as a member, when people became interested in this case, any any Supreme Court case is going to gain interest. When they started being interested in that, they were looking for centers to represent the context for this case. I know them well, and uh, I don't know. I got a call one day asking if we would be and willing. And it just m- kind of... Bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger. Every time I do one... Uh, at least one more kind of comes behind it. I've done several other things. I just honestly couldn't name them all at this point. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's it's been incredible to see that happen. Now in in the midst of all this, when you when you were leading informed choices and and the the, the center to kind of the next phase of its journey, um, you got hit with some devastating news. Um, tell us about that and what it was and what your first kind of response. I mean, how do you even process <clears throat> that? Yeah, well, September of uh, 2016. I uh, discovered a lump in my breast. I knew immediately that it was cancer. Mm-hmm. People say that, and you, you go, well, how can you really know? But I really did know. Um, my husband kept saying, you know, you're just, you're just thinking the worst. Don't worry. But I was getting myself as prepared as, you, as I could. Uh, sure enough, uh, the next... The next uh, opportunity I had to get into the doctor, I was there, I think Monday or Tuesday, and um, I went through several diagnostic tests, which did reveal breast cancer. Um, The strange thing about my cancer is that I have lobular breast cancer, estrogen positive, and um, that's about 10% of all breast cancers. Most of them are ductal, about 90%. Lobular cancer is supposed to move slowly. Uh, it tends to not be very detectable, so it may show up in its later forms, but the good news is always, well, at least it moves slowly. That was not the case for me. Uh, September, I was talking with surgeons about removing a lump and you know, moving on to the next form of treatment. Every diagnostic test I had showed more and more progression of the disease. The big question being, is this moving really fast or are we missing something? And unfortunately, the answer was it was moving really fast. So I had a double mastectomy in October. At that time, 17 out of 18 lymph nodes showed cancer. Uh, So they told me, you know, this is stage three and... Uh, this probably will change things, you know, how we how we look at this. I did a PET scan a couple weeks later, and it had metastasized to my bones in that short amount of time. So um, that moment, it was like a tidal wave. I was sitting in a doctor's office in San Jose with my husband. I had done quite a bit of research. Don't read too much if you get a cancer diagnosis because it can scare the bejeebies out of you. Um, But we went to get the results of the PET scan, and I didn't have a good feeling about it. Um, The doctor began to speak, and all I could think about was the fact that I had this feeling he was going to tell me that I was stage four, but I wanted my husband to be prepared. And so I... I remember feeling my insides begin to shake, but I wanted I wanted to prepare Mark. And uh, the doctor got interrupted for a second. It was kind of strange. And I looked at Mark and he said, you know, he's saying that I'm stage four. Are you ready for this? And, you know, he kind of was surprised. Doc comes back in and proceeds to say just that. And... During those few seconds, it was like a tidal wave because I felt all of the, the 
the energy in my body being pulled away. And then when he said the words, it was like it all just came rushing back in. And it was like a crazy dramatic scene out of a movie. I I screamed. Mm. I cried. I wailed, literally, in this small doctor's office with people walking all around me. I mean, it was uh, probably the most intense feelings I've ever had. And um, we all just kind of got into a a huddle until I calmed down, but then I went into shock, Mm. literally. I had a hard time standing. I had a hard time thinking and feeling and it I can't say it got easier quickly either uh you know you go home with a diagnosis like that and it just you don't know if that means I'm gonna die in six months what does this mean I have three children uh I can't imagine leaving my husband Uh, all those things are going through your head and um Luckily, uh, over time, God's grace, the body of Christ, have made it something that I'm living with pretty well. When I found out, um, as a pastor of the church, we a couple other pastors from the church, we came and we prayed with you at your house. And um, this is... I mean, this is where theology and real life just clash, clash up against each other. We came into your house, and um, I'm, so, so most of the audience knows, but I serve as as lead pastor. So I'm I'm uh, going in there, and you're supposed to tell some encouraging words and quote some scriptures. Um, I didn't even pray. I just I just sat there trying to you know hold it to. It's so funny that that moment was was so real that even right now, like the emotions in me are being stirred. Um, and I didn't pray. I didn't pray. And as, as we left, I just, I do remember this, what I remember what I said here is I just looked at you and I, and I cried and I said, this sucks. This just sucks. And there's a, there's a point where there's this, this almost real life existential crisis that can only be met by God himself. Absolutely. Like the, the presence of God. It's, it's, you don't, Job didn't need arguments. He needed God to show up at the end. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm not even, in, I'm, it's, this, it's not even me, and I'm having a hard time talking to God about it. How do you, as a Christian woman, Christian leader, mother, how do you relate to God when it seems like, and th- this is the, the, the paradox and the beauty of it all, God, I am fighting for the lives of babies and mothers and families. I'm fighting for their life and you put death on my shoulder. How do you then go forward and pray and talk with God, relate to him? I felt for a long time like the friend that was dropped down through the ceiling at the feet of Jesus. Um, I felt very, very dependent on the body of Christ to do my praying for me, Mm. to be completely honest. Um, 2016 ended. uh, I was 
going through chemo by the end of November. I had started chemo and I was going through chemo. My family and I took a really great trip. And then my husband and I uh, splurged and went over to Santa Monica for New Year's Eve and had a great time. Wonderful New Year's Eve celebration. Went to bed just feeling happy despite everything that was going on. And I woke up on New Year's Day 2017 experiencing fear like I've never felt in my life. I woke up with dread. What is this year going to hold for me? I was scared. I was scared to death. That day we were traveling home and I spent the entire day just praying and crying and reading my Bible. So even though I say I was, it was mostly dependent on the body of Christ, there were those times where the fear or the depression or the anxiety about what was going on in my body just propels you towards the one thing, the one person who you know has always been there. And in, in my life, that would be Christ. So <clears throat> I prayed and cried and read my Bible. And, um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of direction. I didn't, I didn't even know what I was really looking for, just a way to deal with the fear. And what's interesting is that as we neared home, as we neared Gilroy, um, that came to me. And I've had it ever since. I've had a peace that is kind of un undescribable ever since. And it really is just based in this. I believe that we are created by God. And I believe that he knows our lives. He knows exactly how long we're going to be on this earth. He knows um, the number of hairs on my head, and he knows the number of my days. So this is no big surprise to him. It sucks. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Yeah. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone, and I wish I didn't have it. But um, God knows. And it was actually... Um, thinking about creation, the moon and the sun and the stars and uh, the, the human beings created in God's image, that somehow, I can't even remember my train of thought, but somehow God led me down this path that ended up with, I know the number of your days, so don't be afraid. You can wake up every day, live each one of them for me. And that's what I'm trying to do now. The Apostle Paul talks about uh, a peace that transcends understanding. And, uh, you know, if you've been around Christians long enough, you hear these stories of people saying, I have a peace and I don't I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, immediately you want to go, well, how did you do it? Like, what did you do to get it? And, you know, Paul says, mm -hmm. it's a peace that transcends understanding. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's not irrational, but it's almost transrational. It's, it's above it. It, it can't be processed by right. human. It can't be put in a propositional statement. It can't yeah, be because the, the thing that gave me peace is not necessarily going to be the thing that another cancer mm. patient is going to get peace from. How have you, because you're not just dealing with this, you're remaining faithful in your present calling to inform choices and to women and to babies and to families. Um, so talk about being faithful in the midst of 
suffering, being faithful in the midst of getting dealt a hand of cards that you, you would not want. I mean, so many people become unfaithful when they don't get something that they want. And you're being faithful in the midst of, of an immense pain. I do have to say, um, my staff at Informed Choices is truly amazing because I had seven or eight surgeries in 2017. Um, so a lot of my work I'm doing at home in my bed. Um, they're a really well-trained staff, and so they know exactly what they're doing. Um, and our volunteers help keep the place going. So they are uh, shouldering some of that responsibility, and I'm, I'm deeply indebted to them. Um, that said, honestly, it's one day at a time. It's, it's one, that sounds so corny and so cliche, but there are days when I, where, you know, you wake up and the fatigue is too much mm. or the pain, physical pain is too much. And, um, you know, so maybe you're not going to work that day, but you're going to work other days. Um, and as far as the, you know, the calling, it's just, I guess when, when I got that sense of peace about my days and the number of days that I have, I really truly do want to glorify God with those days. So I'm already in work that I believe in. I can think of nothing better than to be as faithful mm. as possible uh, as long as as I'm physically able to to do that work and you know even the interviews we were just talking about those are kind of a part of it it's it's being um, willing to say yes when those things come along that you feel like you're supposed to do maybe one last question then I'll ask you to give some words of wisdom to to our listeners Qu- the question first um, at the center of Christianity is is the cross um, is a God crucified, is a God who who suffers, a God who suffers on behalf of others. And since I know you, uh, Christine is a is a theologically minded person. <laughs> um, and so I know you've you've I'm sure you've thought about how our faith at its its center point, there's a there's a cross, there's someone who's suffering. How has the suffering Messiah comforted you? That that story, that image, that picture? I wish I understood suffering more. <laughs> it's funny that I would say that, but <clears throat> because not not only am I dealing with this, but in my past I've had one car accident that probably should have taken my life and miraculously did not. Um, several back surgeries. It was actually long ago when I was dealing with back pain that um, I used to beg God, please, God, please take this away. I cannot take it. And during that time, I learned a lot about surrendering, surrendering to pain rather than fighting it. Um, And I don't mean just physically. I mean emotionally and spiritually trusting God, even though what he was allowing wasn't something I wanted at all. And so when the car accident came, it was like, I already had a pretty good foundation for that. And then cancer came along, and um, other than the fear, physical suffering part of it, again, it, it, it's like one big continuum in my mm. mind. Um, so all through that, all through my life, I, I see that 
Christ never promised that we wouldn't suffer. He promised mm. the opposite, that we would. And um, yet he didn't, he didn't say that without also being the perfect example of that suffering. Um, suffering to obedience, suffering unto death, suffering by giving of himself in so many ways. And, and, I don't, and I don't mean just his life, but just can you imagine what he went without during his lifetime mm-hmm. so that he could be who he was called to be, who he was? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question yeah. well enough. But. Yeah, last, last thing. Um, you told me it was a statement I had never heard until you used it, but you said um, you are now in a relationship with Ned. Yes. Um, long term, I hope. Long term, ho- hopefully a very long term <laughs> relationship with Ned. Tell us what Ned is. And then lastly, moving forward, how do you continue to serve God with the uncertainty of your relationship with Ned? So Ned actually means no evidence of disease. Um, as far as the medical community is concerned, I will never be cured of cancer. I will never be cancer-free. Uh, I will never be in remission, so to speak. Those are not words they use. Instead, they use this term, no evidence of disease. That simply means we know there's cancer in your body, but it's not showing up on a PET scan right now, which is wow. definitely good news. But it would be wonderful if, wonderful to know it had been completely eradicated. Um, I often ask my husband the question, how will I know if God's healed me? And uh, quite honestly, I think some people do eventually decide maybe they're not going to do treatment for a while and just see what happens. I'm not there yet. I've had two clear pet scans behind me and I have one a week from tomorrow. I'm a little nervous. I'm hoping that this next one will be clear too. But if it isn't, uh, there are treatments available and you just keep plugging away, keep trying them and just try to remain as positive as possible. And I, yeah. and I just briefly mentioned the body of Christ. I have to say the body of Christ has helped me to be positive, has mm. helped me to um, remain faithful. And I, I don't even completely understand it, but I believe their, their prayers are very effectual. Mm. Um, because when I ask for prayer, things get better. It's as simple as that. Yeah, so you're just going forward, and it's like the scriptures say, it's it's day by day. It's trusting God for daily bread for this day, and in faith, thanking Him for another day. And so you're doing incredible yeah. things. Your testimony parallels the cross in that the cross is a symbol. It's a painful symbol, but it's a, it's a beautiful symbol, and somehow um, God has used your your story to not only affect those in the local community, but literally people are hearing the story around the world. And so just thank you for being here. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. 